0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of our second season of This Black Bear Has 28 Minutes, the Kootenai Arts and Culture Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by an amazing team of students of the Selkirk College Creative Writing Program, alongside amazing collaborators from across the Kootenais. I'm Cody Bruner.
1: And I'm Tressa Ford, and we'll be your hosts today. If you're looking for ways to connect and get inspired in the Kootenais and beyond during the ongoing COVID times, look no further. Each episode features interviews, readings, reflections,
0: and more. This episode, we're bringing another exciting collection of writers and creatives. We'll have a poet reflection piece from Katie Dick, a multi-person radio play by Gwen Higgins and family, and a reading by Karina Custom about memory and resilience during COVID times.
1: First up, second-year creative writing student Katie Dick shares a beautiful and thought-provoking reflection on the Canadian poet Milton Acorn, a notorious rabble-rouser on the Canadian poetry scene nicknamed The People's Poet.
2: If this brain's o'ertempered, consider that the fire was want and the hammers were fists. I've tasted my blood too much to love what I was born to. But my mother's look was a field of brown oats, soft-bearded, her voice rain and air mixed with lilac. And I loved her too much to like how she dragged her days like a sled over gravel. Playmates, I remember where those skulls roll. One died hungry, gnawing gray porch planks. One fell and landed so hard he splashed. And many and many come up atom by atom in the worm casts of Europe. My deep prayer a curse, my deep prayer the promise that this won't be, my deep prayer, my cunning, my love, my anger, and often even my forgiveness that this won't be and be. I've tasted my blood too much to abide what I was born to. That was I've Tasted My Blood by Milton Acorn. Milton Acorn was a Canadian poet who published hundreds of poems between 1950 and his death in 1986. He was born in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island in 1923. He worked as an itinerant carpenter, and many of his poems deal with working-class struggles and issues of landlords and rent collection. He served in the Second World War and was injured while fighting. From there on out, he collected a military pension that allowed him to pay his bills when his writing couldn't. He was a communist without being a member of the Communist Party. Rather, he joined the party but renounced his membership not long thereafter. For many years, he was active in a Marxist-Leninist group called the Canadian Liberation Movement that struggled for Canadian freedom from U.S. imperial control. His work cannot be neatly divided into periods. Throughout his life, he wrote both formal and free verse, haikus, sonnets and ballads, as well as performance pieces. His poems often required the reader to jump from one idea to another, as Acorn's ability to see connections and disparate things was striking. His personality was often cantankerous and argumentative, but big-hearted. For a good portion of his life he was a heavy drinker, but later renounced alcohol and spent much time trying to convince his closest friends to do the same. He also struggled with bouts of severe depression that occasionally saw him hospitalized. He was briefly married in the 1960s to the poet Gwendolyn McEwan, who wrote of him upon his death, you could go years without seeing him and yet he'll always be there somehow, a great craggy presence at the back of your mind, a gnarled tree in silhouette on the horizon. He had a close friendship for many years with the poet Al Purdy, who edited three books of his poetry. Indeed, he had relationships with many poets and lived for some years with the poet James Deal, who edited the most comprehensive collection of Acorn's work in a springtime's instant. In 1969, he published his book of poetry, I've Tasted My Blood. When this collection failed to win the Governor General's Award for Poetry, his fellow poets, among them Margaret Atwood and Irvine Layton, rebelled. In a remarkable moment in the history of Canadian letters, they gathered in Grossman's Tavern in Toronto, creating a Canadian Poets' Award specifically for Acorn and presenting him with a medallion that crowned him the People's Poet, along with a cash award. He would go on to win the Governor General's Award for his 1975 collection, The Island Means Minago. After leaving Charlottetown in the 1940s to fight in the Second World War, he divided his time between Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and PEI, often traveling frequently back and forth among these cities. While living in Vancouver, He was a founder and early contributor of the Georgia Strait, which was at the time an underground newspaper primarily devoted to politics and the arts. After a series of personal setbacks and struggles with mental health, Acorn returned to live on Prince Edward Island in 1981. A documentary on The Poet was made by Kent Martin in 1982 and can still be found on the National Film Board of Canada's website. It is called In Love and Anger but it can be found by searching the site for the name of Milton Acorn. Acorn suffered from ill health and died prematurely in Charlottetown, the city of his birth, in 1986 at the age of 63. His poems, taken as a whole, are replete with contradictions, but as Acorn himself was fond of saying, life is contradiction. His contribution to Canadian literature should be remembered. I'll close with another of his poems, Knowing I live in a dark age. Knowing I live in a dark age before history, I watch my wallet and am less struck by gunfights in the avenues than by the newsy with his dirty pink chapped face calling a shabby poet back for his change. The crows mobbing the blinking sun stupid owl, wolves eating a hamstrung calf hind end first, keeping their meat alive and fresh. These are marks of foresight, beginnings of wit. But Jesus, wearing thorns and sunstroke, beating his head and death into words to blunt the axes and break the rods of Rome, this and like things followed. Knowing that in this advertising rainbow, I live like a trapeze artist with a headache. My poems are no aspirins. They show pale bayonets of grass waving thin on dunes the paralytic and his lyric secrets. My friend Al, union builder and cynic, hesitating to believe his own delicate poems, lest he believe in something better than himself. And history, which is yet to begin, will exceed this and exalt this as a poem erases and rewrites its poet.
0: An enlightening reflection on the life of a man I didn't know too much about. Thank you to Katie for her perspective on him.
1: Next, we have an awesome, supernaturally eerie radio play from second-year creative writing student Gwen Higgins, featuring Amelia and Julie Higgins.
3: This is the Dove Hill Rangers, episode one. Dove Hill Rangers versus the Kid Creek Zombies by Gwen Higgins. Here's an introduction to our characters. We have a narrator. We have Gigi, our adult leader of the Dove Hill Rangers. We have Mimi, she's 15, and she's one of the Dove Hill Rangers, and Bree, also 15 years old, Mimi's classmate, and another Dove Hill Ranger. And here we go. Welcome to episode one of the Dove Hill Rangers versus Zombies. Without further ado, let's meet our troop. They're driving home after an intense backcountry hiking trip. They've been out of contact with the world for two weeks.
4: <sighs>
3: Where are we? Is this Yak? Well, hello, sleepyhead. We passed Yak a while back. We're almost in Creston. There's a rest stop coming up ahead. Kid Creek, let's stop there and stretch our legs. Ellie went on ahead with the rest of the girls.
4: Oh, okay. I need to get out of the van. My legs hurt, and I feel like I'm stuck in the shape of the seat. What, what time is it? How long was I sleeping?
3: It's 9.30pm and you've been sleeping since just outside of Cranbrook, so about two hours.
4: No wonder it's getting dark out, I can't wait to get home.
3: I can't wait to get home, either. 14 days away is a long time, especially with a bunch of stinky teenagers.
4: Stinky teenagers is what the rangers are all about, Mum. Where are we?
3: Hello, sleepyhead Bree, nice to see you waking up. We're going to stop at the next rest stop and stretch our legs.
4: Oh, good, I have to pee. Will there be lights at the rest stop? I hate it when they're dark. Yes, this one has street lights. See, there it is up ahead. What are you scared of, Mimi? Zombies or something? <laughs> I just hate the dark. And maybe zombies. So what? You no, know, that was probably just fake news, right? The zombie story's coming out of California before we left on our trip. That's not what I heard. My uncle is a doctor, and he said that the new virus is pretty dangerous. He said it's affecting seniors the worst.
3: Well, girls, as far as we know, there haven't been any cases reported in
4: Canada yet. As long as they didn't let zombies through the border. Senior zombies. (laughs) They will gum us to death.
3: I'm sure there are no zombies. The authorities will get things under control. But I haven't been able to get any news at all since we got back into service. Fake or otherwise. It's kind of weird. Okay, slowing down. It looks like there are already some people there. Looks like a tour bus. Let's try to see where they're from. Oh, great. California plates. Really? Looks like it's full of senior citizens, too. And we're parking. All right, girls, here we are. Let's stretch our legs and go pee. Bring your packs so you can freshen up. We all stink after two weeks in the bush. Mimi stinks
4: the most. I can't wait to get home. Did you see that bus, spree? It's super dark and creepy. Yes, so what? It's just a bunch of oldies taking a nap. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm not afraid. I can kick any old man's butt, zombie or not. I saw people moving around over there, under the streetlight. We, we drove past it on the way in here. There's no streetlight. It's dark over there. Oh, yeah. Now oh, I see. Creepy. Maybe zombies. Shut up, Bree. Zombie schmombies. No way. Wait, what was that? Nothing. Headlamps
3: on and stick together, girls. We're the Dove Hill Rangers, and we're prepared for anything.
4: We're the Dove Hill Rangers, Rangers <laughs> and we're prepared for anything. My mom said the virus in the States was getting worse.
3: That's why we wash our hands with soap, girls. No germs
4: allowed. Make sure you use hand sanitizer, too. Has your phone got service yet, Bree? Mine is dead. Nope. Did you Did you see that? See what? You're freaking me out, Bree.
3: Let's get a move on so we can get on the road. Ellie and the other girls are waiting for us. I don't like the look of that bus either. You don't have to
4: ask me twice. Race you!
3: I don't like that bus at all, and I got this weird text from home at some point. It says to watch out for Zom, and then that's it. And now there's no cell service at all? This is strange. Good thing I've got my bear spray. Be prepared! I'm not waiting around to see what that was.
4: Did you hear that? Hear what? You're freaking me out, Bree. Take off your headphones. There's something out there over by the picnic tables.
3: It looks clear in there. Go on in, girls, and do your thing. Be quick. I'll stand guard out here. I'm first. I have to pee so bad.
4: There are two stalls, Mimi. You
3: girls, just go. I need to go, too. Bree was right. Something or someone is over there. I wish that streetlight was on. Then I could see. I don't really want to shine my flashlight there in case it attracts them.
4: There! Two people
3: moving! I see them now. They're kind of shuffling. That's weird. And in the dark like that, we've got to get out of here. Jesus! Don't be noises.
4: How are you girls doing? Done yet? Fine. Almost done. There's no toilet paper, though. This one's out of toilet paper too. Can you please bring us some? Really?
3: You don't have any in your packs? All right, I'll be right back. You girls stay in here, okay? Remember our safety plan.
4: Yes, I've got my stuff in here with me.
3: No toilet paper? Good grief. Good thing we have like six rolls in the van. I'll get my walking stick too. It might come in handy. Okay, here it is. TP and my walking stick. (laughs) jesus christ on a bicycle there's five or six of them where did they all come from i'm getting the girls the hell out of here and run back to the bathroom hey girls here's your tp be quick i need to pee too so please hurry and wash up i'll just lock this door again i hear they can only push not pull but you never know who can only push who's out there Do you girls still have your bear bangers in your pack from our last hike? Get them out, please, and we'll set them up. Yes, why? What's what's out there? Is it a bear? Something like that. I'll just climb up here and take a look outside. Holy shit. Girls, remember when the bear showed up at camp? Well, we have a situation. Get out your bear bangers, the launcher tube, and the bangers. Yeah, I like that. Load them. I'll hold them while you get your packs on. Do up the straps. Here are the bangers. Hold it out in front and have your thumb ready on the launcher, but don't set them off yet. Is there a bear outside? or Something else? Not quite a bear. Not as smart, but still dangerous. They'll be scared off by the loud noises.
1: Zombies. Uh... Is
4: it? Is it from the bus? Is it bad?
3: Yes, it's bad, and it's from the bus, but we can handle this. It's a few old people but they're sick. They can't move very fast.
4: They are zombies. Shit, we're going to die.
3: We're not going to die. Remember, we're rangers and we're prepared for anything. Mm. There are only two near the bathroom and they can't move fast. A few more back in the trees at the picnic tables. We can do this, girls. I'll lead the way with my stick. You two follow me. When we get
4: outside, I want you to launch the bangers. Got it? Put the extra cartridges in your pockets. Launch the bangers. Got it. Pockets. Got it. We're going to blast them. We're going to kick some butt. The zombie
3: outside is just a tiny old guy, and he's like 95. I'll push him out of the way, and then you girls run for it. Got it? Got it. Let's go. Let's go. Don't let them bite or scratch you. Okay, go, go, go. Look
4: at his eyes. He really is
3: a zombie. Never mind his
4: eyeballs. Keep up. There are more of them than I thought. Step off, old man. (laughs) Whack'em, Mom. Whack'em. Oh, gross. Oh my God, look over there. There's so many of them. (laughs) Shit, they see us. Language. Keep your voice down. Bears,
3: bear bangers ready? Aim over there on the count of three. Launch. One,
4: two, three. Bang, 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 bang. It worked. They're going back. Watch out. There's one here, Mimi. It's got my arm. Not today, zombie
3: man. Die, die. Run girls!
4: I am running! <laughs> ah! My ankle!
3: Bree! Launch your banger at them again. Mimi, I've got you. Hold on. Let's
4: hobble. Karate chop that guy, Bree! Yeah! Good hit! Got him! Hurry! Did unlock the van? I can't get in! Look out! Another one! He looks like Bernie Sanders! I'll get him! Don't hurt Bernie Sanders!
3: It's not the real Bernie Sanders. I don't care if it's the queen. I'll whack it because he's a zombie! That was awesome!
4: Poor Bernie!
3: Okay, doors closed, seatbelts on. Let's get the hell out of here! What was that bump bump? Oh, just a little old zombie speed bump.
4: Those bear bangers were awesome.
3: I hope we get to use them again. I'm glad we still had them in our packs. Okay, we're back on the road, thank God. Everybody okay? Good thing we were prepared, right girls? Our rangers have escaped, but they still need to get home. Will they reach their destination? Stay tuned for the next
1: episode of the Dove Hill Rangers.
0: Such an amazing piece. I love the dialogue and all the creepy sound effects.
1: Next, we have a piece from longtime Black Bear Review contributor, Karina Custom. Karina was last year's managing editor at the Black Bear Review. You can find her work in the Black Bear and in the Nelson Star, and she has a chat book in local secondhand bookstores. Her piece. The Last Bastion, or Uncomfortably Aware, offers observations on the role of imagination and history during COVID times. As
5: somebody once said, I am uncomfortably aware. Textile over my face. Too much space around my dinner table. A gooey barrier of sanitizer around my life daily. I am lonely for streets filled with us, bumping into one another, singing, holding hands. I miss the beautiful crowd of us, flowing like sap down the main artery, celebrating something, anything, anywhere in the world. Carnival, Hanami, Holi, Diwali, Lantern Festivals, El Día de los Muertos, Mevlana, Semana Santa, Vesak Eid al-Fitr. I am missing births, weddings, deaths, solstice gatherings, pride parades, and yes, if I must, even Shambhala. I see places of all kinds of worship in my small town with signs that say closed for business until further notice. Feeling steamrolled, are we? Leveled, unhinged even? Yes? (laughs) Good. I can feel it too in the nearly whispered, ethically minded, well-intentioned social preludes such as i'm twice faxed well i'm not it's okay we're outside and we're both masked the well-intentioned vigilance in these exchanges ersatz politeness abounding are now becoming the de rigueur self-disclosures 18 months into COVID times our reality has seeped not only into our customs but our language is a crisis catalog glossary. Contact tracing, flattening the curve, lockdown, patient zero, respirator, remdesivir, ivermectin, person to person transmission, anti-vaxxer. Even souls who hold non mainstrip views birth slang like V, or Vaseline, or vaxed, or jibby jab. These incursions into the words we breathe embed our lives and embed our lived experiences directly into our words, into our language. They become sonic hieroglyphs for times called COVID. As I watch myself standing masked outside my kids' school colony, monitoring how the children play, I silently ask myself, "Ah, am I doing the right thing sending them out there? Gone are the simple, inalienable certainties. Everything must be sanitized except our imaginations, the last bastions. Toward the end of the Second Indochina War, a war which lasted 20-plus years, not 18 months, at a time when North Vietnamese Viet Cong community built, quote, Tens of thousands of miles of tunnels underground. Unquote. These tunnels housed troops, yes, and also civilian refugee families with children. They dwelled there, formidable and industrious, borrowing from ants a way to survive, a way to survive the bombing campaigns. In this colony, the children played indoors in the dark, mothers whistling them back home to their carved-out room to eat and sleep on straw bedding, huddled, the low cave ceilings vibrating above their heads. One family lived like this for six years, under the blanket of complete darkness. And one day, the shelling stopped. They emerged, drenched by sunlight, pulling out their nets, fishing freely again, cooking up the spoils of freedom, oceanside, At sunset, it was finally over. On dusty grounds, hands reached for bamboo. The time for rebuilding had begun.
0: A beautiful reading from Karina about the power of language and human resilience. And what an awesome note to end the podcast on.
1: And that is going to be all for us now, folks.
0: An enormous thank you to everybody who contributed to our episode today. If you liked what you heard, you can find a lot of the work on our website, blackbearreview.ca.
1: An extra special thanks to Kootenai band The Hilties for the use of their songs Hocus Pocus and Ride the Wave. You can find their recent album, Sunshine, at thehilties.bandcamp.com. That's spelled H-I-L-L-T-I-E-S. Go check them out and support local music talent.
0: And thanks to everyone who helped out in the producing of this episode, especially Tara May Bucks, our managing editor, Bree Harwood for her coordination, Karina Custom for her reading, Jeff Gibbs for sound editing, Gwen, Amelia, and Julie Higgins for the radio play, Katie Dick for her reading, Lisa Dean, our faculty advisor, Renee Harper, our faculty advisor, and Teresa Ford for script and hosting.
1: And Cody Bruner for student talent recruitment, script, and hosting. If you want to read your own work on our podcast, don't hesitate. You can send your pieces to the Blackberry Review at gmail.com. That's Review at gmail.com, all one word, with the subject line, podcast guest reader submission.
0: And don't forget to check out our page, blackbearreview.ca for all your Kootenai poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and arts needs. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
1: And of course... Join us again in the new year for more amazing conversations and performances. We're so excited to share another season of inspiration and artistic expression when we meet again.
0: Goodbye for now. Be safe out there, be kind, be resilient, and never stop being creative. I said who's gonna let it drop I just robbed the way